Hi everyone, welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. I am your host Dr. Rahat Sayed. I am a physician, parenting coach and a mom of two. I believe that parenting isn't something that should be learned on the job. Raising good humans is one of the most important tasks of our lives. And just like any other task, you need to learn how to do it right. Here at Dr. Mommy Speaks, we have expert interviews, practical advices and my personal parenting experience as a Dr. Mommy on child health, positive parenting techniques and dealing with challenging behaviors in children. Hi everyone, welcome to Dr. Mommy Speaks Parenting Podcast. I'm your host Dr. Rahat and today's episode is for all those parents who are worried for the development of their child. Have you noticed your little boy is not doing many things that other kids of his age are? This is a very normal phenomenon because every child is different and so there is a pace of catching up on things but it can also be an indicator of a developmental disorder. That brings us to the topic for today, Autism Spectrum Disorders. Catching autism early makes a huge difference. By recognizing the early signs and symptoms, you can get your child the help they need to learn, grow and thrive. And to discuss that with us, we have today Dr. Farah Adam, who is a family physician and a mother of two based in Bangalore. She is the author of the book, Newborns and New Moms. Taking inspiration from her personal struggles as a first-time mother, Dr. Farah embarked on her journey to writing a book that aims at mentally preparing the urban Indian woman for the realities of postpartum. Her son was diagnosed with autism at the age of three and a half, and today she's here to share her struggles with us, both as a parent and as an expert. Welcome to the, sh- welcome to the show, Dr. Farah. Thank you so much, Dr. Rahat. It's such a pleasure to be here. It's such an honor to be invited to your podcast. And I'm so happy to be here. That's great. So let's get started because I'm so excited to do this. There is so much for parents to know about this. So let's start with what is the spectrum of autism? And what does being on the spectrum mean? All right. So autism is actually a neurodevelopmental condition. Uh, what happens in this is it has a very broad range. That's why it's called a spectrum. Like uh, spectrum means, you know, we have the re- uh, spectrum of light, uh, spectrum of anything is it has, it covers from here to all the way to there. So any kid with a minor uh, focusing disability will be on the spectrum and a kid with full blown autism can be on the spectrum. So it's a very broad range of conditions with uh, Kids facing difficulties with social skills, uh, getting to interact with other kids. They have certain repetitive behaviors, which is the telltale sign of autism. And they also have difficulties with speech as well as nonverbal communication, which is uh, can include eye contact. I'll get to that uh, later in detail. And autism is not a diagnosis that you can do with like a blood test or some screening test. It has a lot of uh, subtypes. And they are influenced by a combination of genetic as well as environmental factors. And each person with autism is different from the other person. They have their own strengths. They have their own challenges. So the way 
there are high functioning autistic kids, you know, who have very limited social abilities, but they are mind blowing geniuses in their fields. And some people, they cannot focus on one thing, but if they're alone, they cannot focus in a group, say. But when they're alone, they can do wonders. So they have uh, autistic kids, you know, they have very, uh, they have a lot of conditions like, you know, repetitive behaviors, speech delays, speech disorders, not able, not able to communicate. They have these temper tantrums, that is behavioral issues. So this is what autism covers. And especially for a parent, uh, it is very important to know that just because you've seen some other parent with an autistic child does not necessarily mean, okay, my son or my daughter does not have these exact symptoms. So she's not autistic. That is not how it is. Every child, every autistic child, every child on the spectrum is completely different from the other child. Over okay. to you, Rahat. Okay. So now autism is not a single disorder, as you said, but a spectrum of closely related disorders with a shared core of symptoms. So what are these symptoms and how can we know if our child is autistic? Um, so, uh, okay, initially autism had a lot of different disorders. There was uh, Asperger's syndrome, there was pervasive developmental disorder, there was full-blown autism. And now as research is progressing, it has uh, come to this uh, phase where, you know, we put all of these diagnoses like ADHD, all of them come under the spectrum. So how to recognize and what are the symptoms one is will be that um see it's a neurodevelopmental disorder right so one could think could be a child started speaking and suddenly he regressed the words he used to say mama papa so there will be a regression of uh, certain milestones the child had attained so that could be the first um, indicator that the child might be autistic the other thing is they have you know very stereotyped behaviors like they have repetitive behaviors that they like to do and it looks like, you know, they're trying to comfort themselves or we really don't know what is happening. But, you know, there are some dessert, uh, some kids, you know, who just keep staring at the moving fan, who will, uh, they like to play fiddle with their fingers, they like to fiddle with their mother's hair and they just have to do it very obsessively, you know. And my son, okay, he had head banging. That is a very typical symptom of autism. My son had head banging and when he would not get what he wanted, this we had noticed at the age of 18 months when he was just one and a half years of age. Uh, when uh, he would not get what he wanted, he would start banging his head. And you know, Rahat, uh, there were times when his nose has bled, he's banged his head so hard on the floor. And there are other behaviors like, you know, this get stressed, anxious or upset. So these are some um, maladaptive behaviors that they have, you know, behavioral problems. The other thing about um, autism is these kids do not like change. So if you give them a certain porridge for breakfast or you give them oats for breakfast, they want that daily. They resist texture change. Uh, many children, they don't like the change in texture. Like if, you, if they're used to soft foods from their toddler days and they're, they're, they're going to preschool now and they give them chips or something, they will resist that change. They cannot handle it. And they're scared. Some kids are scared of playing with water. Then there are some kids who cannot tolerate certain sounds and they kind of shut down. They don't like that sound. Some kids, they want to keep ringing the doorbell, you know, these repetitive behaviors are there and they resist change. And some kids can have a meltdown. Some kids just uh, turn their head. They're like, they don't accept the situation and they just get away from the situation. And the next thing is um, it continues from the resistance change. They have very, very streamlined interests. 
if they want a certain color, they want a color with only one color, they only do that. Or they want this specific cartoon. Or my son, for example, he was obsessed with vehicles and trucks for the longest time. Uh, you won't believe it. You know how I got him to learn to write was I would literally draw a truck, a tow truck, and I would ask him, what is this? And he would say, it's a tow truck. And I would be like, okay, what does it start with? He'd say T. And that's how he learned to write the alphabet. It was like a really long process for me to teach him to write any alphabet. I would have to literally draw the vehicle and teach him. So his interest was very restricted uh, to trucks for like almost three years. All right. And when, when they like something, this, this is, and this goes on to show that they can be superstars in the field, you know, if the parents have enough. Um, the strength and courage to you know nurture them and not feel frustrated if the kid likes a certain sport let him excel at that you don't your child doesn't need to know everything and uh, if they like a certain subject like you know they are the autistic kids are very brilliant okay uh, if they like a certain subject like maths they will just you know obsessively do maths and they'll ignore the languages these are slightly older kids uh, the other thing uh, the next uh, feature of autism is it's a sensory processing disorder too. So these children, they get overloaded with uh, sensory perceptions. Like for example, an autistic kid, if he's in a Montessori or a school with uh, say a teacher to student ratio of just like one is to four or one is to five, the child will do well and the autism could be masked. But the minute he moves on to a slightly bigger school with a student teacher ratio of say one is to 10 or one is to 15, the child will not be able to adapt to that because uh, the child will get too overwhelmed. He will not know what to focus on, who to focus on. Because say uh, the child is in kindergarten, the child is three or four years old, and there's a circle time that they have in school every day. So the teacher will be telling the kid to focus on the prop in her hand, the shape in her hand, and the child will not be able to do so. So he'll look at the child next to him, some kid has pushed him, some kid has, uh, uh, nudged him, some kid has showed him something in his hand, then the teacher is talking, the other kid is talking, the assistant teacher is talking, and the kid gets really overwhelmed by that. So that is a part of the sensory processing disorder. And uh, some kids, they just withdraw. They just like to go to sleep because they can't their brains cannot handle it. And some kids will have a triggered reaction. They might, you know, throw a tantrum. And that is so many times misinterpreted as a naughty kid or a difficult child at school. But the child just needs more attention. Then the next feature of autism is um, oversensitivity. They cannot tolerate certain sounds. They cannot tolerate certain lights, certain TV shows, certain smells. They cannot tolerate being touched in a certain way. And uh, continuing from the repetitive behavior and the lack of change. So if the mother is patting the child to sleep, he would want a repetitive stroke okay he won't want the mother to pat him okay if she strokes him don't pat me you know they have that certain a predilection for certain uh, touches and for certain sensations and uh, as i already mentioned about head banging continuing from that there are some behaviors where the child will uh, injure himself you know he'll bang I, I told you about the head banging then there's breath holding self-biting hair pulling you know these can lead to serious injuries and uh, it also restricts the social interactions of the child because uh, for the longest time 
an autistic kid can be misunderstood as a very mischievous or notorious kid and other parents you know will not be willing to let their own kids mingle with such children because they're naughty or they hurt the child or you know they're aggressive or violent um long story short they're just misunderstood uh, they cannot communicate well enough and after a certain age the child begins to get frustrated that he's not able to get his point across because of the lack of development of speech because of the lack of development of a certain understanding and the lack of development of societal norms you know they don't maintain distance with other kids uh, they don't understand personal space and personal boundaries well enough well most kids don't and that goes away after say the age of 2 years 3 years you know they begin to understand boundaries but uh, an autistic child a child on the spectrum will have issues with that over to you dr rahat that was that was a lot of information most important as you mentioned autistic savants these kids um, they actually excel they might not be so good at social interactions but then they do excel in certain areas of their interest and also what you mentioned about being mislabeled as a mischievous child i think that's the most commonest uh, thing that would exactly. that will happen with these kind of kids so hence uh, knowing uh, a prior knowledge about the red flag signs of having autism is more important so that your child can get help at the right time exactly that is very important and um little note over here dr rahat is that it's little overdiagnosed and at the same time it is underdiagnosed like for example in my own practice am i audible yes Hello? yeah uh, for example in my own practice a child at the age of 18 months uh, was diagnosed by an alternate uh, medicine doctor as autistic and the mother was in a frenzy she was um, she was all over the place she you know she she had recurring utis because of the stress so when i counseled her and i asked her what is causing you know so much stress in her the stress is tied and she said he got diagnosed with autism and he was a boy boys generally talk later than girls that is the general trend and uh, and the, on the other hand there are many doctors who ignore these complaints that parents make you know the parents are overthinking or over googling so it gets missed for the longest time for a year or so you know parents have not been able to get so um, help for their children you know and they have missed crucial months crucial development months of their for their child that they could have spent in therapy and uh, so autism is a very um, not a difficult diagnosis to arrive at but on the one hand the kids who are not on the spectrum get overdiagnosed and that causes unnecessary anxiety for the parents and then on the other hand there are kids who need help and it's just ignored or brushed away and saying that no no you're overthinking it and they don't get help at the right time so it's not that there is a problem in the medicine uh, this is the thing about the human mind um, scientists and researchers and doctors have not been able to you know put it in a certain bracket and that's why the spectrum was made that's why a whole range of um, symptoms were included in the autism spectrum and the point of making the spectrum was not that you give a label to the child was that you get help for the child he's on the spectrum what are the key points of focus what needs to be done and you come to the conclusion okay the kid needs this kind of therapy the kid needs uh, this intervention it's mostly behavioral therapy or speech therapy or occupational therapy so uh, not calling it aspergers or pervasive developmental or autism and putting it as a spectrum was one step forward in uh, getting the diagnosis right 
because once the child is on the spectrum we just need to get the child on track in terms of schooling in terms of speech development in terms of therapy in terms of behavioral uh, streamlining you know that these behaviors are not acceptable and you know the occupation therapy will help in getting rid of um, uh, sorry occupation therapy will uh, help in getting rid of certain repetitive behaviors not 100% but at least the efforts are made in that direction so to break it down for our listeners a child shows difficulty in different areas of development like you said and we will be addressing each separately so let's start with the signs of speech and language difficulties can you shed some light on that um all right so when the child is small you know uh, the child can be as small as 1 year of age all right or 18 months of age and uh, you start noticing that the child is not looking at your lips while you talk the child is not making eye contact with you that is a little bit of a red flag then maybe the child is just busy so this is where i mentioned right the over diagnosis part so when we mothers go over into the overdrive of thinking oh my god is my kid okay is my kid okay we will diagnose any normal kid with autism so not not to say that autistic kids are abnormal but uh, a neurodevelopmentally normal child who is on track and uh, please remember that autism or uh, don't jump to conclusions yourself always get help uh, always get professional help to get the diagnosis it could be a developmental pediatrician it could be a speech therapist a speech pathologist anyone but uh, it is very easy to say oh my child is not making eye contact Uh, my child is autistic no that's not the case the child could be distracted by something the child is not interested in what you're saying you know you're not as interesting as you think yeah another uh, another point there is uh, to make this diagnosis proper that's why uh, it's always said that whenever you're looking for a diagnosis of autism for healthcare professionals it should be diagnosed uh, depending upon the quality and the quantity of symptoms like for example if a child has learned to say bye so the quantitative assessment for that would be that uh, how many times in a, a day or in a week is he saying bye he might just say it once a week when someone was going out and then he's not done it at all after that so that doesn't mean the child is falling into the spectrum it's because he was not interested like you said or he has not practiced it much and then the qualitative assessment for that would be how better is he performing that activity so how better is he getting at the gesture of saying bye rotating his hand to and fro pointing and looking at the person and doing it so that's exactly. where that judgment uh, thing comes exactly and uh, i'll tell you about my personal experience in fact uh, when my child uh, i had enrolled him in uh, montessori school at the age of 20 months when i finished my maternity break and went back to work he would just go for the morning i did a very simple shift but uh, the head over there she told me that your son doesn't look at our lips when we talk and that is very important for a child to learn talking to see how the lips move so that is one very important sign that parents should watch out for the is the kid looking at your lips uh, aside from eye contact eye contact is important in fact that's a part of the therapy for autism you know the, the child is told eye contact make eye contact and the child eventually learns to make eye contact while talking and that is something my son had to be taught to make eye contact to look at the lips you know the speech therapy would point to her lips and say say ba say bye say give you know that way mm-hmm. and uh, the other thing is like um, okay i'll give you a very funny anecdote when okay if you're standing and talking to a lion if you ever do that raha just see <laughs> you point the finger and say hey look there's a deer over there 
the lion will not look at the deer the lion will look at your hand and eat it up okay and if, please remember this example uh, because children on the spectrum you point somewhere they will look at your finger they will not look at where you're pointing so that is another very example uh, good example of when to suspect and when to seek out help and that doesn't mean that you know your 6 month old baby will point to something and tell ki baba look in the baba kid is like eating your finger because he's peeping or whatever and uh, that's what over diagnosis overthinking we should avoid that just keep it at the back of your mind and um, so the gestural communication is a little off in these kids and uh, to get your attention um, they will not call you mama or papa because it is mostly accompanied by some degree of speech delay they will uh, do something bizarre they'll uh, do something disruptive to get your attention they could as i said every child is different my son had very limited uh, he had head banging and he uh, that too from the age of 18 months to say 2 and 1/2 years but uh, he was not that violent but he was very hyperactive and one of the diagnoses we got was adhd too then the other thing is they don't respond the way you expect a child to respond to things you know like uh, they because i said right they don't uh, perceive sensations as well as we expect them to that doesn't make them wrong or abnormal it's just different so when you hug the child he might just push you off he might not like that snuggling some kids don't like that snuggling at all and some kids love it so exactly it's a spectrum so it can be either they just go crazy with the cuddles or they just don't want it at all but you know what you would expect from a developmentally uh, on track child is that they cuddle and then they move away so autism kids they will just want to cuddle and cuddle and cuddle and cuddle or they won't tolerate it at all and the same thing with uh, in this uh, verbal communication one is that eye contact and then i had as i already said personal boundaries is very difficult for them they don't know how to form boundaries they don't know what's the personal space of the person in front of you and you have to actually teach them this either they'll be completely disinterested uh, suppose a baby comes to the house uh, someone is visiting your house and the baby comes they'll completely ignore this new person a normal kid's reaction would be to go to the baby to you know try to entertain the baby like suppose the child is 2 years old and a baby comes like a 6 month old baby a normal child will feel okay i'm a grown up an autistic child will have difficulty in processing this information and in they want to be touched in a certain way you know as i told stroking or versus patting some kids prefer patting pat me to sleep don't stroke me they could just they just can't tolerate it and uh, they have difficulty in socializing in the playground um and they have they have so much to express and they're not able to so it comes out as a very um, unacceptable behavior like you know they're playing in the sand pit and they want to try to communicate to the other kid that i like you so they'll take a a handful of sand and pour it on the kid's head to show their affection and that as a mother you know we understand that oh he's actually trying to say he loves you but you know that's like not and all over you yeah and it's very difficult to accept these kids and a pretend game um pretend game is difficult because kids they like to imitate what the elders are uh, elders in the house are doing pretending to cook pretending to work on the laptop they will copy that but um, many kids they don't reach that milestone till the age of like 4 or 5 you know many uh, or maybe not ever the way a small 2 or 3 year old kid you know will pretend to do the dishes or copy mama act like mama you know they even scold mama you know i am mama and i'm going to scold you you won't you will find it difficult for an autism uh, spectrum kid to follow that rule then 
they they, uh, they have real uh, difficulties understanding intonation for example uh, for them if a mother mother the child is you know grown enough to understand the mother's tone you know you would expect a child to understand at the age of three and a half or four years when mama is being stern they cannot differentiate the gray scales of a you know like i can be i can be saying one thing sarcastically angrily happily or proudly and they won't get it uh, they just hear the words it is all black and white in their brain there's no gray they don't give that much importance to the tone of the voice so suppose my kid comes and says uh, he's uh, you know he's at behind me he's at my heels you know i want this i want this and i'll be like okay go eat my brains or something like that they'll be like okay give it to me i'll eat it you know that is the kind of response they will have and uh, they don't have pride in their achievements just yet it takes them a lot of time to reach that uh, phase because a little girl if she draws a butterfly or she colors within the lines at the age of 3 or 4 she'll come and show it to her parents her grandparents her friends see look what i did and this showing off or you know being proud of your own achievements um a, a child on the spectrum will achieve it really late it, 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 see everyone is different everyone's development is di different but they will not achieve it at the age appropriate you know at the age of 3 that showing off that you know i am something i'm developing my self confidence it doesn't mean they're not confident it just means that they just, they just don't reach that phase just yet uh, my son reached that phase at the age of 5 actually and my daughter has been showing off since like she was one and a half so i can see the stark difference you know between the two so they don't share their interest they don't want to show and if they do it will be repetitive and the other non verbal cues is fixating on things a very um, telltale sign of autism is a child looking at a moving object looking at a moving fan just continuously staring at it and that's actually quite worrisome uh, that kind of repetitive fixative behavior and uh, if you see that then please consult your pediatrician consult your doctor and ask consult a physician and ask do i need to get help do i need to get speech therapy personal experiences okay so that means just because your child doesn't do pretend play games doesn't mean that he is autistic that was a very nice explanation dr farah let's move on what do you mean by the signs of inflexibility um signs of inflexibility um i'll tell you about something that i had seen at my son's uh, speech therapy center they had this uh, chart of you know things to work on and one of them was the child wants a particular taste or a texture and i've already mentioned this i will reiterate over here it's basically that they don't want any change in schedule they will have a meltdown suppose they get up in the morning um some of the kids you know the extreme cases um some of the kids you know they want to walk in a certain way they want to walk in a, in certain steps while going to the bathroom and they want the temperature of the water to be the same or uh, breakfast has to be this every day and any deviation in taste or temperature they'll have a meltdown and they are seen as difficult children not children struggling in their own uh, brains you know it's it's rather sad and they repeat same phrases and words uh, i did not have this problem but um, many kids you know they will repeat the same word and when you ask them a question like the parent is trying to teach the child how to talk and they'll be like what's your name the child will just look at the parent okay he wants me to say something and they'll be like what's your name 
again you ask them what's your name the child will be like what's your name you know and the tone the tone will be very monotonous there is no inflection as we say or intonation in the voice then uh, they'll have uh, if the child develops speech and is on the spectrum you know the child has developed speech enough well soon enough they'll have they'll use wrong words they have grammatical uh, errors and they have difficulty in communicating what they need what they want they have a lot of difficulty in that and um one of the things that i'll tell you from my personal experience that i had was uh, when i was uh, narrating to my speech therapist uh, while during his evaluation i was telling her ki he listens to directions you know we teach him to keep the tea cup in the sink he'll go into it and she asked me uh, if you tell him to take the tea cup because that's a that's the only way to treat a tea cup you know it's an empty tea cup your mama is telling you can you keep it in the sink and the child goes and keeps it in the sink but if you tell him take this tea cup take a tissue paper that has fallen over there and go and keep it in the bedroom will he be able to follow that my son wasn't able to follow that at the age of 3 and a half so they they can learn by um, you know they can learn by routine and rote all right the instruction and that too the tea cup thing i had to really uh, uh, tell him he couldn't focus on that task you know in the middle he would take a detour he'll just leave the tea cup somewhere and start playing with something so his attention span was not bad per se but you know he could not focus on the act that he was not interested in he would focus on his legos or in his blocks so that or as in struck as i said struck 3 years of struck obsession he had and uh, and another thing is they miss irony they miss sarcasm they miss anger in the tone and everything is black and white and there's no gray for them and we humans have only gray in our language and these amazing brilliant children miss out on that and that's how they miss out on being included in the society which is honestly very sad and to uh, sum it up uh, one thing that should be the red flag is just see does your child look at your lips because that is one of the first things to notice in speech delay is the child interested in copying what you, words you are forming you know with your mouth and there's one more thing about uh, the inflexibilities their facial expressions are a little lost you know they won't be able to say that uh, i am hungry you know there's no uh, inflection that intonation that i'm hungry that i need food you know i'm hungry you know it will be flat that is a bit of a red flag that you need to look out for and their gestures like pointing it's jerky it it won't be smooth it will be like you know robotic and uh, Uh, as i said the different smells and sounds change in routine uh, some of them have tantrums uh, luckily i did not have that problem my son wanted routine in his food he would resist uh, different textures but if we took him for traveling that way he was quite adaptive uh, difference in schedule night travel delay in flight he has uh, sat through all of that in fact he has been happy like like on any other kid but uh, food could not be changed i could not just take him anywhere and feed him and uh, texture could not be changed of the food he wanted that soft rice texture chewing chapati it, it i think he achieved that after four and a half years chewing chapati properly so it was a big uphill struggle for me chapati is like a flat bread for those of you who don't know what is a chapati it's a flat bread or uh, a roti and uh, it's not soft it's it's not hard also but it's somewhere in in between of a tortilla and say bread that's a consistency okay so all in all it just sounds like autism is definitely difficult for the child who's struggling with it but then it's more difficult for the parents 
because sticking to those routines those schedules would be so difficult and in addition to that taking care of their tantrums being sure um, that the child remains safe would be such a difficult task you can only imagine so true it is actually okay so uh, until recently most scientists believed that autism is mostly caused by genetic factors but we've now found that environmental factors may also play a role can you tell us a bit about the causes because of which your child is at an increased risk of developing autism all right um that's a very important question dr rahat uh, because aside from the causes uh, there's a predisposition of mothers with mental health issues for their kids to be on the spectrum so if the mother is on antidepressants in the first 3 months that could put the child at risk research has shown that then uh, nutritional deficiencies in early pregnancy especially if uh, the woman doesn't take uh, prenatal uh, vitamins and folic acid certain nutritional deficiencies in early pregnancy in the first trimester if folic acid if the mother doesn't take folic acid or is deficient in that for whatever reason that can cause the child to be on the autism spectrum and uh, actually folic acid deficiency in the first 3 months has been linked to a bigger develop physical growth problems like Uh, the spine is not developed or there's some problem with the brain development aside from the invisible autism spectrum you know that you can cannot see then uh, there are some factors that we cannot change uh, age of the mother and father and complications at or just right after birth like a low birth weight a preemie baby anemia in the child then infections in the mother during pregnancy uh, exposure to chemical pollutants such as metals and pesticides uh, during pregnancy all these can affect the child and it is not just limited to autism spectrum these uh, depending on the gravity of the exp- uh, of the exposure and the time and duration of the exposure and at the crucial time of development was it in the first 3 months of pregnancy or the second 3 months all these make a difference so blanket advice to everybody would be to you know be aware of these things the other thing which has been the bread and butter of anti vaxxers autism being caused by mmr vaccine mmr is the vaccine that your child gets to protect him from uh, measles mumps and rubella where uh, in 1998 uh, there was a study by published in the lancet the it's a very uh, reputed journal uh, and the scientist name was wakefield all right and he published the study linking mmr vaccine that within 14 days these child these uh, children regressed regressed means you know they had certain milestones and they went back and within 14 days of the mmr vaccine and the parents were uh, going to sue the mmr vaccine producers and it was a big mess and 12 years later in 2010 the study was withdrawn by lancet not just for ethical grounds but also for on scientific grounds it was flawed at every uh, level so any anti vaxxer or any parent who has a child who has autism or who has children at all please vaccinate your kids you have no idea how many millions of dollars are being wasted to refute one flawed study which was done on 12 children only who and the design was not uh, proper the children with autism were selected and uh, do you know who was the who gave the funds for the study someone who was involved in the litigation against a vaccine company 
So it was flawed on so many levels. It was a completely unethical study and uh, it has been retracted and I think Wakefield lost his license too. But what has happened is that as, doc as a doctor myself, I sit and educate my potential anti-vaxxer uh, patients, you know, who are asking me, who are, I'm their family physician and they ask me, should I vaccinate my child or not? And I have spent hours explaining this to them. And in fact, um, I had joined one course, all right, uh, for autism, autism uh, parents of autism children, you know, to equip myself with skills and the confidence to deal with a child on the spectrum. And over there, I had to explain to the teachers, you know, who were treating, uh, teaching me this course. They themselves are mothers of autistic children and they teach in that autism school. And they took this for uh, the parent support. It was a parent support course. And I had to tell them about the vaccine that, you know, um, it is a flawed study. It has been taken back. And I thought it is very important for our the listeners to know this, that please vaccinate your children uh, because the study on just 12 children, Rahat, are you seeing how small the sample size was? 12 That's children, right. who does a study on just 12 children? It was completely flawed. It was uh, completely biased. And it, was, it had a lot of vested interest in the people who funded the study. And on top of that, there are two horrible ramifications. One is that children are not being vaccinated. Every now and then there's a measles outbreak in the US. And that is because of the anti-vaxxer movement. It had the, a 1998 study and we, uh, the science community, the medical community is still fighting this, uh, uh, this venomous plant that has come out of the seed of doubt sowed in the brains of people around the world. You know, it's, it's a nightmare for us. And, uh, Tens of millions of dollars are being wasted in studies rather than studies being done for supporting autistic children for, uh, you know, how to rehab rehabilitate them, how to get them back into vocations, etc. Rather than that, scientists are wasting time, money and energy in disputing a flawed study to start with. So guys, MMR and autism do not have any links. And just because you read it somewhere, please do not refrain from vaccinating your child and protecting him against such a deadly disease. Uh, moving on, uh, Dr. Farah, uh, can you tell us uh, if a child is developmentally delayed or if one has observed other red flag signs for autism and you're worried, so what would the next step be? Okay. First is, uh, do not get hung up on the diagnosis, all right? That's my first advice to any parent. Um, from my own personal story, I was a doctor. I'm oh, sorry, I still am a doctor. <laughs> but uh, I went to a developmental pediatrician. I went to a speech pathologist, a speech therapist, an occupational therapist. And I got a different diagnosis from everybody. That doesn't mean the diagnosis was wrong, as I mentioned. There's a criteria. And my son had, you know... Um, small uh, features of this um, disorder on the spectrum and few features of Asperger's and few features of pervasive developmental, few features of ADHD. So it's not the fault of the professional who was looking after my child. But the, the ultimate thing everyone told me was he needs speech therapy, right? And a little bit of occupational therapy. So get help. And rather than being hung up on the diagnosis that, oh, my child is autistic, you're not doomed. Just because your child is autistic, you're not doomed. He's a little different. He needs a little bit of a push and a nudge and a little more effort. So be mentally prepared for therapy. Uh, it can be behavioral therapy. It can be occupational therapy. It can be speech therapy. Uh, equip yourself. There are lovely um, uh, YouTube channels, you know, uh, made by speech therapists. 
you know, who tell parents how to, you know, every action can be uh, turned into a speech therapy for your child at home. And especially now in the COVID pandemic, everyone is at home. So equip yourself with, you know, a few things, you know, how can I turn this activity from a frustrating interaction with my child into a, an instant speech therapy or an occupation therapy uh, session? So you need to educate yourself as a parent of how to seize opportunities and turn something very challenging that you're facing with your child. You know, you're not able to communicate with your child into something fun where your child also learns and you're also happy and the child also benefits. And uh, depending on what your developmental pediatrician or your speech therapist says, go for those many number of speech therapies in a week. It could be, they could start with one speech therapy uh, in a week, or there could be a 45 minute session three times a week, or some kids, they need help five days a week. Make sure you don't overwhelm your child and uh, make sure it is consistent and do not keep changing your speech therapist or your occupational therapist. Don't go therapist shopping because that is going to backfire because if the child is already on the spectrum, they resist change. And if they have developed a rapport with the therapist, it's going to be counterproductive if you keep changing the therapist. So suppose your child needs a speech therapist and an occupation therapist. Oh, do your research. If you're convinced, go with them. If the child forms a rapport, respect that more than a review that you have received from someone else. Like, you know, oh, I was not so happy. I find this better. Let's not shop for therapists and doctors. The child needs routine. They need that um, uh, comfort of knowing, okay, I'm going to go to this person. I'm happy over here. I've adapted to this person because it is very difficult for children to, for such children uh, to build a rapport, to communicate. And once they build that rapport with their uh, therapist, don't change it. That, that is very overwhelming for them. Look for a school with a favorable student teacher ratio. Uh, it will be very hard to find one. So think about right now it's homeschooling. So, um, okay, that option is kind of out of the picture because of the COVID pandemic, we're all homeschooling. But uh, aside from that, um, sensory overload, think about the sensory overload. Uh, for example, I'll give you a very good example of a sensory overload. Suppose Dr. Rahat, um, I just switch off the light. I make you sit and I give you a notebook in your hand, okay, with a pen. And I'll tell you, I'm going to dictate 10 words and you're going to write them down. And in the meantime, I come, I give you one pat on the head. I ruffle your hair. I poke your nose. I snatch your pen. And you'll be like, and, and I'm still dictating the words. Will you be able to write it? Absolutely no, it's going to be, it's going to be like, what the hell is happening? That's exactly what happens with the child also. When he sees too many things happening, he's feeling like, what am I supposed to focus on exactly? So the less the noise around him, the fewer the children, the better the child, the better the child has a chance at being able to communicate at being able to process. So don't overload them with sensations. Give them, uh, ex you know, not too much exposure. Too many children will overwhelm the child. So that's the problem my son faced when he went to formal schooling. 20 children in the class, two teachers, he would just sleep and come. He wouldn't even sleep. He would just lie on the bed over there. He would just lie or he'd be playing in the, uh, on the swings outside. And uh, these people told me, oh, your child is 
very mischievous, very naughty. They had suspected, by the way, and they did not tell us. They just told us he's very naughty, he's very bad, he's very naughty. Because then they would have to say, okay, please move him to a special school and we're going to give you a refund because they didn't want to do that. So that is another disadvantage I faced. We lost half a year. They suspected a pervasive developmental disorder in him and they did not communicate it openly to us. And uh, he was called a naughty child and we would be so uh, depressed after the parent-teacher meetings that we had. It was, we would dread going to parent-teacher's meeting. And then from that formal schooling, I kept him at home for the next six months, worked hard on him. We got him speech therapy thrice a week, occupational therapy once a week for six months. And then uh, we continued speech therapy till the age of five. And uh, then after that, uh, there was another thing that I sent him to a school, which was just a play group kind of a school. So the teacher-student ratio was much better. I communicated this with them and uh, it really helped. He started socializing much better. It, my story has a happy ending, by the way, guys. Uh, he is still showing a few signs, you know, uh, of, what do I say, naughtiness, bad behavior, spectrum, call it what you may, but uh, he has come a long way. And um, this lockdown had proved uh, like a blessing for us because his dad was at home. We came up with free reign, play with what you like, use the hammer whatever we may basically made the uh, criminal the police okay and we gave him access to hammer nails and uh, wooden plank he loves to do to, to carpentry and we told him as long as you don't hurt your little sister and you keep the hammer back in the toolbox at the end of the day you're allowed to play and that worked way better he went miles in the three months of lockdown that we had his dad was at home, working from home. So he had that uh, sense of security developing. That's what I said, right? Don't change the therapist because once they attach to someone, it's very difficult for them to adapt and uh, set up a rapport with someone else. And uh, my, my son, um, he's right now um, six years and three months. And at the age of like uh, just two months before his birthday, this lockdown started. And that was a blessing for me. You know, he improved his skills. And in three months, his grandparents, they were away. They were stuck somewhere else in the lockdown. And when they came back, they couldn't recognize the kid. He was speaking fluently. And uh, you know what? People, uh, there were some people who had pinched my son because he was so naughty. And I wasn't looking. And one fine day he said, auntie, pinch me. <laughs> yeah, people do that with kids on the spectrum because they don't speak. Yeah, they do that. And uh, that was pretty amazing. So now uh, the, the, that was a very big fear. You know, I faced that, you know, people mistreat my kid, you know, other kids bully him and he can't come and narrate to me. And that was a big milestone he achieved during this COVID pandemic lockdown was that he can narrate every single thing in excruciating detail. <laughs> and now um, touch wood by the grace of God, he has graduated to the parrot phase that comes at the age of say two or three in many kids where they won't stop talking. Uh, he still has some issues, but uh, we're getting there. It is, uh, he is improving in uh, leaps and bounds by the grace of God. So it was great knowing that there's light of, at the end of the tunnel and that your story had a happy ending, happy start. So let's exactly. move on. <laughs> let's move on. Uh, we have seen parents of kids diagnosed with autism struggle a lot, just like you said. And it's mainly because there is no awareness about such developmental diseases and the cruel behavior that you said, pinching children when the parents aren't seeing that is really cruel. So how can a society become more accepting for an autistic child? Okay, uh, that's a very uh, important question, Dr. Rahat. And I'm going to break it down into two. I'll just tell you quickly of 
what I had to change in myself because we cannot change this uh, society and the people around us. It's very difficult, but we can sensitize them for sure. So I'll tell you quickly uh, what I went through. Firstly, it was a big shock for us. And uh, my in-laws and my, uh, I live in a joint family. My in-laws live with me. My in-laws, my husband, they were all lost. They didn't know what this is. What is autism? And I, as a doctor, I knew. And I said, um, doesn't matter what the diagnosis is. As long as speech therapy is done, that's all we need to focus on. So I was the one who streamlined the efforts. But as a mother, uh, the first day I went to speech therapy, my son was in session and I saw a kid with Down syndrome. Okay, I, I, I could diagnose him because of the typical faces. And these are the kids um, who are abnormal, you know, as we call them insensitively, the abnormal kids. And it was a jolt for me, you know. Uh, my husband wasn't there. My father-in-law was waiting downstairs in the car and I was uh, at the session. And when I moved to the corridor, I, I just had to move to the corridor and silently weep for a minute. You know, weep is the word I use. It's not like I just welled up, I wept. Because it was such a shock for me as a mother that my son is, I'm going to quote it, abnormal. And you know, when you're expecting, you never think that you could be that mother. You know, that happens to other people. But as we see, the rate of autism, for whatever reason, has really skyrocketed. Maybe our diagnosis is better, or maybe the environmental causes of it are way more now. But here, I realized I was the mother of an abnormal child. And, uh, you know, it, it's such a word we take for granted, normal. And... So first thing first was I had to change my own approach to my child on the spectrum. None of the kids over there were abnormal. They were perfectly intelligent, normal children who just needed to be accepted by a very normal society. And the other problem I faced was I was casually blamed, you know, for my son's autism. So for mothers out there, uh, you will be blamed. Trust me, you will be blamed for anything that happens to your child. And that is something that we need to sensitize people that how is it our fault? And how did the parents of the normal uh, children make sure that the kid doesn't get autism? Please educate us. It is nobody's fault. And we have a very gifted child in our life. You know, that's what we think. Uh, he's, he's brilliant in science. And, but at that point, I broke down and I, I was coming to terms with the fact that my son is abnormal. And so for all my listeners, if you know somebody, uh, please be kind to them. You know, it's, a, it's, it's an uphill battle. It is exhausting to be a mother of a child on the spectrum. Uh, we have to be very vigilant of what they do. They can harm themselves. We have to really strive to communicate. Sometimes as a parent, you know, the bond that you form with the child in the first couple of years, somewhere you get lost and you think, you know, this, this relationship with my child takes so much of energy. The mother is really sapped of energy, you know, a mother of a child with, on the spectrum. Our kids are driving us crazy and we are always apologizing for their behavior because they don't know personal boundaries. Some of them, along with uh, speech delay or being on the spectrum, they have certain physical problems also, you know, where drool keeps collecting in their mouth, saliva keeps collecting in their mouth. So suppose you're at in a lift and there's a child and he's drooling and maybe his nose is also runny. And if he comes near you, be kind to the mother by not, you know, shirking away from the child because half our frustration is justifying our perfect little child to the people around us. And uh, another thing, you know, you know, we really relent to their tantrums because we really have no choice, especially in public places. So if a mother is giving the child chocolates as a bribe to 
stop him from a meltdown don't judge her don't go and chastise her don't patronize her because you know what for me my son accepting chocolates and wanting chocolates was a milestone he wanting chips and crisps was a big milestone because he went from his uh, favorite consistency of rice to something chewy something with noga and he went to something crispy so it was a big achievement for me for so a mother each time she gives junk don't judge her don't ask her to go organic or homemade you don't know her struggle be kind to these children if they come near you speak to them as if you're speaking to a perfectly normal child the child will not understand you probably but the mother will definitely remember your act of kindness you have motivated us and inspired us in so many ways you've explained it so well dr farah thank you so much for such an insightful session i thoroughly enjoyed it and invigorated literally and i'm sure many parents are going to benefit from this thank you so much dr rahat for having me here and listening to my story i really hope some mother struggling clutching at straws drowning in this diagnosis it's it's really overwhelming a diagnosis can benefit from my uh, story and my own uh, struggle and reaching the end of the tunnel somehow and still an uphill battle for me but thank god the spectrum is behind me right now he's just a little bit hypercapacitated that's it that's all for for me right now that's all of the spectrum that is left so quoting you again <laughs> quoting you again it's not about the label don't just consider it as a label keep it behind you and work on your child and see how you can improve him get him back into the society So guys you can connect with Dr Farah on Instagram Facebook Twitter and LinkedIn she goes by the moniker mom's team on her social media she makes informative videos as well as parody songs on her YouTube channel and her book new mom and newborns aims to bridge the gap between the mom and the grandmom generation by validating traditional indian practices in the light of modern science do check that out all the links will be mentioned in the show notes below That's it for today. Until then, happy parenting. That's it for today. Do subscribe to my podcast so you will be notified each time a new episode is online. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn as Dr. Mommy Speaks. Don't forget to like and review our podcast wherever you listen. It will help others to find this podcast. and you can visit our website drmommyspeaks.com/podcast for all our show notes and any resources mentioned by me or my guests and while you're at it don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter until then happy parenting